You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Julia, it's finally here. I I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. And we're not even talking about what's your number because we did that last week. You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. Finally, we will uh, <laughs> stop talking about it. <laughs> Maybe we will not be making any promises. No, we're still going to reference it, but we won't be teasing the bonus episode anymore as it has been done. True. Yes. What we're really talking about, though, is season three of Teen Wolf. Ah. I know. It's just... I think universally this season has more, um, like, both critical recognition and fandom clout than any other season of Teen Wolf. And I mean both A and B. Oh, yeah. The performances are amazing. Everybody gets so much hotter. It's so gifable. It's just incroyable. And <laughs> truly, like, when you think about what's on the other side of the hill, it's like, oh. <laughs> Wow, what a downgrade. And like we are obviously going to speak about seasons four and five with extreme patience. Because um, we do love Teen Wolf, despite... We do. And then season six is good. Mm-hmm. But season three, I mean, girl. Peak teen television. So good. And when I... And as experts on all teen television, as um, if we haven't seen... If one of us hasn't seen it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> True. I uh, I really think that we are qualified to uh, dub this one of the best seasons of teen television to ever be. Oh, I, I would agree 100%. It's elite. It's elite. The questions that they're posing and like the moral conundrums that the characters are facing are so intense and personal and so not high school anymore it's it's visceral like it's it is not pandering to the audience it is requesting more of its audience yes and yet there's still a bunch of weird background high school bullshit in the background as i said which (laughs) is what makes teen television so good so good so entertaining at least (laughs) but this season is like good with a capital g yeah no it's like Mm -hmm. actually it's not like, I promise, I promise, just watch it, you'll like it, you know, which is what a lot of these shows are like. Mm-hmm. Like, my friend just made me watch Outer Banks over quarantine, uh, which is a weird mix of the OC and National Treasure. <laughs> um, Intriguing. Yeah. And it was a lot of, like, I promise you'll like it, I'll promise you'll like it. And, and I I like the first half of the season. Um, if you've seen Outer Banks, come hit me up on Twitter and we'll talk about it. But I, I wish that Teen Wolf was one of those shows where you could almost tell people to skip to season three. You physically cannot understand what happens in season three without seasons one and two. Um, just so people know why it was so immensely popular and so good and is still so good and immensely popular. We obviously are talking about it now and have a bunch of listeners who like talking about it. So I remember when I was watching this for the first time and I was still in like the first season and you were like, I can't wait till you get to motel California. Like you told me that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I had it to look forward to and it did not disappoint. Um, no, because I mean, this season, guys, can you tell we really, really love season three? Well, uh, yeah, let's quit the podcast after this. <laughs> We're done. Season five. But I, but the thing is, the point is that I knew how your opinion was going to change and what you, how your experience was going to change once you got to season three, which is why I was so excited for you. Mm-hmm. It was a good um, time. I enjoyed it. I would love to watch it again for the first time. You know when there's, like, stuff that you would love to erase from your brain so you could experience it again and, like, understand how... And, like, cherish it, I don't know, for the first time again? Yes. Um, at the top of that list for me is Parks and Rec, but closely underneath it is Teen Wolf. Yeah. If we're talking about TV, I have many Many opinions. a book. Many, <laughs> many a, a book. book. Yeah, yeah. Many a movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, many a movie. Yeah. Um, so while I'm sure you guys are all excited as we are, I think it's time that we get into the episode, yeah? Yes. Um... So, without further ado, my name is Christian, that is Julia, and you are listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we're going to talk about season three of Teen Wolf. Heck yeah. Specifically the first episode. Which is called Tattoo. It is. It was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey. A lady. A woman. A woman. Um, and directed by our good friend, Russell Mulcahy. And you can tell. Um, you can. It's, it's, this episode's well-directed. It is really well-directed. Um, and it's very stylistically clear that our friend has returned. Mm-hmm. Um, the dynamic duo is back and better than ever. So 
I do believe that Christian is the first person to recap the episode for us today. Man, fuck you. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna go forth and say that myself and own up to it. But yeah, uh, I remember when we did the season finale, but two weeks ago, we talked about how it sucks to do a season finale and a season opener. And because of the bonus episode, I now have to do both. And I'm not even good at this. <laughs> we will see. There, I mean, to be fair to both of us at this moment, uh, this episode does a lot of setup. So there are definitely going to be things that we miss in our one-minute recap. Yes. So. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, three, two. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> one, go. Okay. Uh, lights up and uh, Brayden is saving Isaac in this like weird, scary warehouse. And she's like, wake up, hold on. And then she tells him that his memories have been wiped. And then he they're on a motorcycle. And then we see the twins and they like morph into each other and it's gross and then they get sent to the hospital and then uh scott and styles are getting a tattoo well styles isn't but he's there and scott's getting a tattoo because he wants one and then it dissolves because he heals and then on, when they're on their way home they see alice and then lydia and it's revealed that alice and then lydia haven't seen the boys for the whole summer and that jackson's in london and uh then a deer comes running down the street and crashes its way into lydia's car which is as cuckoo banana reds and they're freaking out and then uh styles and scott and alice and then lydia get ready for school and uh once they're there um they're in english class and they have this new teacher and she's obviously evil and then at the hospital like isaac is about to be kidnapped by um the alpha pack and also he's healing so the doctors won't be able to perform surgery on him and then um back at school these birds fly into the window and then scott rescues isaac from the hospital fuck i did not get far it's like half the episode that was really not good no but you were doing an excellent job of like recapping what happened because again there's so much there is so much yeah all right let's see yeah let's see are you ready yeah sure let's let's say that i am well then julia in three two one Okay, so um, Isaac and a girl that we've not met yet are on a motorcycle running away. Isaac's um, deeply injured, and there are strange, scary people coming after them that you can't see clearly because it is extremely dark. They show up at the hospital. Isaac is like, you got to take care of the girl because uh, my wounds are going to heal, and Mama calls like, that's crazy. Um, Scott and Styles are out getting a tattoo. That does not go well, and then um, they're driving back, and Allison and Lydia happen to be on the road at the same time. A deer crashes into Lydia's car, and they're like, wow, that's super weird. And then... um, Oh, Jackson's in London. And there's some more hospital shenanigans. Allison is, like, nervous about the first day of school. Um, There's an elevator fight. I'm really forgetting the chronology. Um, New English teacher. Birds crash into the window. Um... Styles is like, this must be a pattern. Um, we finally find out that there's a new alpha pack in town, or Derek finally fi- tells Scott. Scott actually gets his tattoo. Um, and then he finds out that there's an alpha pack, and he decides, I guess, in that moment that he's going to help, or maybe not. And then we meet um, Deucalion, and we meet Deucalion. I, I was we like... We really, yeah, Deucalion <laughs> shows up, and what did we miss? So Derek explains the alpha pack to Scott, after Scott and Derek rescue Isaac from the hospital, um, Derek burns the tattoo back into Scott's flesh. Gross. Yep, nasty. Um, and the alpha pack hunts down Brayden. And also Deaton reveals that all of the cats have killed themselves in their cages. Just so upsetting. Also, maybe a reference to the rabid dog thing from the first two seasons. Probably. Yeah. Um, also, also, uh, the twins, who we know are alphas from the initial... Uh, opening sequence are enrolled at the school um but of course Allison and Lydia don't know that they are werewolves mm-hmm. um what else happens? oh and then at the end we see that Erica and Boyd are alive but in captivity yes Erica and Boyd the return of Erica and Boyd kind of but not really poor it's Erica. short-lived yeah it's very oh, sad poor Erica we'll have so many thoughts on that but I we're mean, getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are getting ahead of ourselves. So uh, for this episode, we're going to be talking about tattoo through the theme of rebirth. A little weird, maybe for an episode that yeah, heavily features animals dying. Um, but it is definitely a renaissance for all of our characters in many aspects. So who would you like to talk about first? I feel like the obvious choice to go to first would be Scott. Yeah. Hit it. He's our, he's our main character. He's our main guy. Um, <laughs> people people on the internet be like, I am the main character. You don't look like Scott McCall, man, so I don't know. So, this is, 
Scott, um, not only do we see him like getting a tattoo and wanting to kind of change a part of himself, but he also has been working really hard over the summer. He's doing like one arm pull-ups and reading call of the wild. And he drops it down onto a pile of other English books that he's clearly been reading and he's reading his SAT word of the day. And later on in the episode, when mama McCall asks him to come to the hospital to help Isaac, she's like, I didn't want to call you cause you've been so great this summer and I didn't want to jeopardize things and he's promising her that this year is going to be different this year is going to be better um and that's not how tv works so no but he's clearly been working on himself in a way where he recognized that you know whatever happened last year was completely unsustainable for him as like a human being like it, it makes me happy to know that Scott is spending time on himself yeah um also like reason stands that they had maybe four months monster free yes because they do drop very specifically that it's been four four months months. yeah since they've all been together like it's very obvious that scott and styles are hanging out and lydia and allison are hanging out but they are not hanging out together Mm -hmm. at all yeah there's been a lot of like alone time clearly which is good because that's how you you know spend time on yourself yes um by not hanging out with your friends who even in the, with the best intentions enable you a little bit. A, a lot. A lot of bit. Yeah. Have you ever hung out with any of your friends? They really inspire your worst decisions. Um, yeah. And not only are we seeing a uh, noticeable choice from Scott to work on himself, we also see other people responding to that. Like you said, Melissa is somebody who is wants him to continue on this trajectory. And Derek also responds and doesn't want Scott involved in this sort of alpha pack deal because he sees that, one, Derek has had the biggest part in ruining <laughs> Scott's life. And two, that Scott is now performing on his own in a way that Derek doesn't want to interrupt because it doesn't because he won in probably reparation for making Scott's life hell, but also because Scott is progressing in a way that Derek will eventually need. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's one of those moments where Derek is like, Oh, this alpha pack is my problem. And it's not the typical, like I'm going to deal with this on my own because I'm a lone wolf. It's Derek making an active choice not to involve Scott because he doesn't want that for him. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very touching. Um, this is also kind of, we have been talking about it, um, since kind of we began because spoilers be damned. Um, but this is like the first inkling in the season really that we get a true hint that Scott is special. Yeah. Like tremendously special. Mm-hmm. Um, Brayden brings it up. Yeah. In her sort of stupor while like being rolled through the hospital, she asks for the alpha and Melissa says she's like called Derek or something like that. And she goes, no, McCall, I need Scott McCall, which I, we know later that sort of the alpha pack is attracted to Scott because he is a true alpha. Um, and that's kind of our first concrete piece of evidence that Scott really does have something that nobody else has. And that he is a target because of it. Yeah. Which is something we find out in like the last couple seconds of, or like the last minute of this episode. Yeah. And you know what I think is brilliant is Hmm. that Scott isn't the chosen one because of like birth. No, not even because of birth. He's not the chosen one because it was like doomed to be so. It's not like fated. Mm -hmm. He is the chosen one because he is a good person. Which is so like wholesome. (laughs) It's so freaking wholesome. Like sorry to bring up Harry Potter because that's some serious uh, bad feelings right now. Mm-hmm. But Harry is the chosen one only because Voldemort picked him over Neville. Yeah, there's a there's an element of chance involved in that. And I and mean, Harry is a good wizard, but not in the way that like Hermione is. Yeah, I mean the ultimately it's like what you do with your fate that determines who you are and how good you are as a person. But it's like Scott's main trait is that he's a good guy. Yeah. He is pure of heart. Yes. Which Wholesome. is such a big deal. Um, and and not, not in the Mary Sue way. No. Scott has rage and feelings of anger and has... He has the range. He, he has the range. Um, he, in the past, has indicated like wanting to punish people, wanting to hurt other people, but he has this insane self-control once he's figured out his werewolf powers. And he has this insanely strong moral compass. 
that he always follows. Mm-hmm. And when he breaks it, it is always a bad time for Scott. Yeah. And I think, and I, I think that that is his sort of moral compass is an, is a, a, a sort of a sense of duty to what's good has always put a target on people's backs because it upsets like status quo. And I think that that is exactly what's happening here is that if there is a true alpha in, rising in the ranks of a pack somewhere, that is a threat to a, a pack of alphas. Yeah. Amazing how relevant this kind of feels mm-hmm. in this particular moment in time. But also maybe any moment in time. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, we are in special circumstances currently, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I think that this is um, a rebirth both in sort of the outside forces that have been acting on Scott and, you know, his internal goodness, as we talked about, but those outside forces are just as important. Like would Scott be going through all this if what happened in the prior season hadn't happened not even, I don't even mean just like being a werewolf or whatever, but having to like, you know, weigh the weigh your options when it comes to hurting a friend and mm-hmm. so much of the choices that he makes in that last season. And he really does come out on top. And that is where a big part of his, like, you know, he does everything to support harm reduction in everything that he does. We support. Oh yeah. And an additional thing that is bringing him to like this period of rebirth, smooth transition, um, is that he's now trying to figure out how to live his life without Allison mm-hmm. at school when he has to see her every day. Yeah, he is a different. He was a different person before and after her and with her, yes. um, which is something that is going to end up being a big part of the end of the season. Is that they have they have changed without each other, but they have left like permanent marks on each other mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, and Scott is entering a life that he would have never entered by choice in the prior season. Like everything he did was to maintain his relationship with Allison and knowing that neither of them have reached out throughout this summer, or maybe he has, but hasn't heard back, but like hasn't, you know, made it a problem for him had made it like an inspiration to start working on himself is really admirable. Yeah, it's very atypical, I think. Of men. Of men in general. And also, I feel like we very infrequently get to see those kinds of, like, self-improvement journeys uh, of, like, young men on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty rare. Yeah. So, we love Scott McCall. We love <laughs> Scott McCall. Um, but while we're on that subject, should we move into Allison and her sense of rebirth? Let's do. She did just spend, like, four months in France. So, that's, like... You know how everybody comes back from their study abroad and they're like, I've changed. And you're like, okay. And then they cool. correct your pronunciation of Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona. Uh, yes. For the record, you correct people's pronunciation on Budapest. So it's Budapest. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I, I love it. I'm sorry, but, um, she also got a haircut. I feel like that's the big thing. Like when oh, major it, things change for women, women, chop, chop, baby. It's like when your friends are like, should I chop my hair off? And you're like, Holy shit, what's happening? That's big news. <laughs> yeah, the number of people who have shaved their head in recently. Yeah. Um, and that's totally understandable because major things are happening for everyone. Yes. Um, for the whole world. But yeah, Allison's got a cute new haircut. She spent four months in France. She's recently reunited with Lydia, who is also going through some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's she's really trying to go back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. Which, what the hell is that for Lydia, for Allison at this point? You're right. And I think that it was really smart that they sent her away because I don't think Allison would be able to enter a space. I don't think there would have been enough room for, for, um, everyone to breathe with her around for them to really recover from her betrayal. Mm -hmm. And because she was gone and because, you know, absence makes like the heart grow fonder or whatever. Like there was enough, space for people to move on to forgiving her and for her to obviously work on herself and her family is obviously recovering. Like when you, they show that room in their new apartment, which, Oh my God, it is so much better than their ugly McMansion. When they show that room, it's, it's filled with boxes. Like it's a recent move in. So clearly her and her dad have been doing whatever in France. I'm assuming some, um, like code workshopping <laughs> maybe trying to get the word out that we shouldn't kill werewolves but also just like their family is french so like cultural immersion and whatnot like mm-hmm. they have clearly took it taken it upon themselves to spend time outside of beacon hills to recover 
to reform and 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 re-enter the scene and to open arms of at least Lydia. Yeah, it's uh. Lydia also didn't actually know the true extent to what all the crazy shit that Allison was doing, but Scott obviously forgave her. Styles forgives her. He gets excited to see her and rolls down the window of his Jeep. I do think that that's kind of a flaw. Um, I know that we've been talking extensively. That there should have been more of a, like, a sort of more repercussions for her actions. Yeah, it just seemed... I mean, there's, like, an awkwardness between her and Scott, but that stems far more from the fact that they are, like, recently broken up than the fact that she tried to have people he cares about murdered. Mm-hmm. Um... I think not only I could understand Scott forgiving her very easily, but I couldn't, I can't totally understand styles forgiving her that easily. I also kind of can't believe that Allison would forgive herself that easily. Like once you kind of come out of that, but that was my point is I think that that's what she was doing away. Mm -hmm. She needed to be away from Beacon Hills to like, meditate on that yeah obviously we do not see what is happening in this four month gap but we are free to speculate because that's how watching television works i think that logistically in in a as a whole wow on the whole as on the whole whole, yep on the whole i think on the whole the time jump really works Mm -hmm. and uh because i don't feel like i'm missing out i don't feel like i'm missing out we were talking while we were watching it that we didn't want to see like the repercussions of jackson learning to be a werewolf like we don't care um, it's enough to know that he's like in London and is a real werewolf and that Derek taught him or whatever. And it's enough to know that Allison was in France. Like we don't need to see those things, but I do think that after all of the emotional buildup of the last season to not have any real kind of catharsis is weird, but it does. I mean, again, it serves to like the purpose of rebirth. Like we're all just going to move on yeah. from that mm-hmm. because Honestly, uh, by the end of this episode, there are bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. And she, she will have moments where she has to reconcile with some of that later in the season, but I think it's good that we enter her as for the most part forgiven, Mm -hmm. um, upon this one. But also, I mean, to contradict my own point that I just made. Okay. You can do it. (laughs) I won't even step in. They are teenagers. I feel like it's difficult to know where to begin processing that kind of trauma that's inflicted on you by your friends or that you may have caused like other people. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Also like think about the things that you forgave people for in high school for so much. Yeah. Even if, if the promise of forgiving them was just like not making waves Mm -hmm. or keeping your friend group together. Like, so it's, everything is so impactful to your life because your life is so insular because what do you do besides like play sports, go to school and go home? Yeah. That like, those are things that can deeply impact the rhythm of your life. So you are well, more willing to forgive people. Yeah. I think it's very clear that like Styles has really been starved for attention these last couple months. And well, that's that makes me he, feel sad that he's lonely. It makes me feel very sad, but it makes sense that he'd be like, hey, like roll Styles, down his window. Yeah. Styles is interesting because, and I want to talk about him next, is that he actually has one of the lesser sort of transformations, except for his amazing hair. They let him grow out his hair. hair. And gosh, Dylan O'Brien is such a handsome man. We didn't know because he was hidden under that buzz cut. It is insane how much like an inch or two of growth in the hairline does for a person. Yeah. Um, he looks so good. It's funny because Scott got the chop. <laughs> Scott's hair got shorter. Which is so much more flattering on, on Tyler, Tyler Posey. Posey. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like there's a gloss to this season that there was not it before. De- it's definitely uh, like forget Degrassi goes Hollywood. We're talking Teen Wolf goes Hollywood. Yeah, everybody. I mean, new locale. Things seem a little sharper. Um, I, the production value was actually yeah. gone. so like on the whole, the Teen Wolf season three was a rebirth of Teen Wolf. Production mm-hmm. value was up. It's, they clearly have a way higher budget, specifically a costume budget and also a hair yes. budget. Um, the costumes are so on point in this particular episode. This is when like the Lydia fashion gets so good. Mm-hmm. Um, even like stunts and stuff seem bigger and, and badder. And I can't tell you how many times they destroy that fucking elevator in the next couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that like some of the green screen is very obviously like early 2010s, 
but it's still they were going bigger and bolder with the green screen like the birds flying into the window um oh yeah terrifying and very cool um there's just like everybody everything has like an oomph that it did not have before Mm -hmm. and styles is uh, a beneficiary of that oomph yeah and it's funny because i think what's kind of great about styles is that what we really want from styles is consistency because he is sort of not only scott's rock but also what keeps us grounded in like beacon hills a little bit Mm -hmm. um so to see that he's kind of changed he's changed along with scott but is also the one who like wants to keep everybody together mm-hmm. and i guess even you know when he stops to wave is ultimately pe- pushing everybody back together because there is a sense of these people are going to be better now that they've changed apart and can come back together as new and better people yeah i also think that uh, styles really um appreciates that they have a friend group cuz you get the sense before this whole thing starts that it's just Scott and styles, which is great. We're glad that they have each other, but it's also nice to see them kind of evolve into a group of friends and for styles to be talking to someone other than Scott and to be making other friendships. And he clearly Mm -hmm. missed Lydia so much. And what I also think is interesting is that Skiles, 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 not Scott, um, is the unifying factor of bringing everybody together back in this season and then that is completely pushed in 3B mm-hmm. when it is Styles who is sort of goes rogue and what that how that impacts everybody else and it shows you just how important Styles is to everybody. Yeah. Well, 3B. <laughs> I mean yeah, I think that this particular season does a really good job of setting up why 3B is so devastating mm-hmm. because if they lost Styles they would lose their entire heart. Yes. Um, and it's not just because Dylan O'Brien is a phenomenal actor. He's the Teen Wolf King. Um, but it's because without Styles, this show doesn't have any heart. It doesn't, I mean, mm-hmm. well, it has plenty of heart because of Scott McCall, but it doesn't have like a core without Styles. Yeah. So he, also, and like, we also get to see some random, like we get to see some good styles, like sheriff shenanigans in this mm-hmm. where like he has to pull him away from his desk to make him go to school. Yes. So um, good. And then some good studio when he protects her when the birds are flying in the window. The particular scene where they're in the car, their cars, mm-hmm. and uh, Scott's like, do something. And so I was like, what do you want me to do? And they just like, stop. And then uh, Lydia and Allison stop. And they're just like, stopped in the middle of the road, road in the middle of the night. Like, it is so, it is such good, like, teenage shenanigans. Such good teenage shenanigans, yeah. So Styles didn't have a rebirth so much as a re-entry onto the scene. Yes, he is back and better than ever. Yes. Um, let's talk about Lydia a little bit. Her rebirth is actually just, like, a um, great moment of sexual freedom in the Daniel universe. Like, she has, now that she's no longer with Jackson, it's clear she's sad because mm-hmm. they clearly, she, has, she says she hasn't talked to him since he left for London. But she also is like, I want something new in my life, and I want to, like, be able to seek happiness and distraction and, like, live freely without that weight in my life. Crazy that she can just have a man in her bed on a school night, might I add. Yeah, where is her mom? Where is her dad? Where is... No, her dad, her parents are divorced. She loves their mom. Sure. But where is any parent? Yeah. Where is literally any parent? To tell her to kick out that 30-year-old. They're all so old. I love when they're like freshmen and Allison's like, they're 14. And it's like, they are well and truly 40. <laughs> they are. Which is what... In any other circumstance, if they had actually gotten 14-year-olds to be the hot, quote-unquote, hot men walking into the school, that scene would be disgusting. Horrible. But because they're clearly 40... We're fine. You're like, whatever. whatever. Cool. Um, yeah, I... We shouldn't be. We should be like, ew. But also, like, what, 16? Whatever. hmm This is the season where I was so... I was so excited when I realized that uh, Lydia screaming was not just a girl screaming because it's horror. It has an actual function and a purpose. And again, 
we never want to give the Teen Wolf writers too much credit. So who knows if that was initially their plan. But to like get through this kind of season and to have Jennifer be like, oh, you, mm-hmm. this is what you are. I was like, oh, my God. So yes. that doesn't happen in this episode, clearly. But it's very exciting to know that that's like coming down the yeah. pike. But the reason as to why we talk about we're talking about rebirth in this episode in particular, it's not only because it's sort of our theme for this episode, it's also a major theme in this season. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of an idea of like, like the season is really nature based and like the nematon brings life as well as as like brings, you know, the supernatural. Mm -hmm. I I think it, I think that that is important. Um, It also raises the stakes tremendously. Yes. Which is very cool. Do you want to talk about Derek for a sec? Uh, you always want to talk about Derek, so I, I'll just let you go. Uh, I love Derek. We said goodbye to scumbag Derek. We did. See you Season later, asshole. Um, and unfortunately, because they don't spend a lot of time on him, and we don't, we don't even get any showing or telling of like Derek's inner life. But we do really get the sense that he is remorseful for the way that he behaved and the lives that he's ruined. Yeah, and I. I I think we see that both in his interactions towards Scott, where he tells him to go home, but also in the way that he has uh, been giving Isaac something to do, been giving Isaac a purpose, which I think Isaac's sort of major issue in his identity crisis in the second season is that he doesn't really have one. Mm -hmm. And Isaac says that he's been working with Peter and Derek to try to find Erica and Boyd. Um... And I think that he finally took responsibility for what he had done to those kids and gave Isaac a place to put his energy other than just like being lonely. Mm -hmm. He gives him a place to go every day to go do something, which I think is really important. Have you ever seen Buck? No. It's a documentary about Buck Brannaman, who is like one of the big people in natural horsemanship. It. I'm sorry for the horse girl talk, but this is actually, I think, an important thing. But he, like, Buck Brandeman in his childhood was really badly abused by his father. And on his first day with his foster family, his um, foster dad, like, taught him how to fix a fence. And he was like, I didn't see a kid who needed my pity. I I saw a kid who needed something to do with his hands. And that's kind of what I'm seeing with Derek and Isaac in this season. And then, Mm -hmm. obviously, Derek kind of turns on him and does become scumbag scumbag Derek for a little bit in the season and that's why he ends up living with Scott but I do like to think that he saw that his actions uh negatively impacted Isaac and then did what he could to like give him a place and a home for the last couple of months well he even says to Scott when Scott's trying to inquire about the door he's like Scott go be a teenager Mm -hmm. it's my problem like I'm gonna deal with it yeah and I think he knows that he's taken Isaac's ability to go be a teenager away because mm-hmm. uh, he has no parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I also think that this is a season and, and not particularly in this episode, but this is a season where we really get a sense of how profoundly lonely Derek is and has been for a really long time and feeling very out of place. And we know that he was like with his siblings who had survived the fire before this, but you just get a sense that Derek is like a deeply lonely person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so to see him kind of trying to like mend bridges and like be Scott's dad um, or like big brother, it's very heartening. And like you want him to succeed in that particular relationship um, because, you know, Allison's been forgiven. Why can't we forgive Derek? Yeah. Um, sure. Why we not? forgive Derek. It's funny because we always talk about like, oh, we just always just forgive Peter. We forgive Derek for a weird amount. I think it, people are, con- I mean, people on the show are constantly evolving and actively trying to better themselves, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I know for teen television. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, guys. Take responsibility, own up to it and learn and grow. Like as advice for life, but also advice for writing characters. Yes. Um... Yeah, I think I think that we're about to see really good things from Derek, and obviously, as this season progresses and past this season, it's when we see the best of him. Um, and yeah. I'm excited. We get a lot of his backstory. We do, too, which is very exciting. I have. I, I'm. This is going to be a weird tangent. I have never been emotionally moved by Derek's backstory. No, I. <laughs> I think it's too thrown together. <laughs> I wish that they had spent a little bit more time on it, but I also, weirdly enough, I think what 
part of what really bugs me about the whole thing is that the casting of young you Peter talk is about so this all weird. the time. It's really bad. It's, bad. it's so bad. And the casting of young Derek, excellent. Yeah. Like so good. My cousin Miguel. <laughs> My cousin Miguel um, is so good. But I think that like there's just something about the flashback scenes that are just so, so off. So weird. They're so off. And also, like, they're not specifically set at any time. It's kind of like they're pretending. It's like the 80s, but also right now it's very strange. Yeah, and you're like, Derek is, what, five years older than Scott? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, we'll get there. I didn't mean to throw that in such a tangent. We will have it. We will will present our beef with that episode when it comes. Um, We have beef with season three. Don't say we don't. Don't worry. We will always find something to complain about. Hey. Hey. that's my job professionally uh, do you want to talk about isaac really quickly i don't know if we see a lot of his rebirth in this particular episode but he does have a, a, a sort of really big shift in his sense of self and also his um uh, like al- alliances in this season um and we see it sprinkled slightly in the hospital scene where when melissa is trying to contact Derek, she's like who else can i call he says call scott and I think that even after all is said and done, his he still realizes that there is Scott is the force for good with whom he wants to be. I don't know, in the in the club with like <laughs> he wants to be in Scott's pack. Yes, I uh, didn't mean in the club like in the Fifty Cent way. <laughs> in, the, in the club, um, everybody clubbing in the club. Um, yeah, I mean, I there's a really sweet moment between him and Mama McCall, and I do think as like as the season goes on, I don't think I know this for a fact, um, that his relationship with Scott really deepens, and there's a lot of trust involved there, and he starts living with Scott. Yeah. So this is just kind of like um, a little a little taste of what's to come for Isaac. A little sprinkling, like good things. Yeah, good things happen for him this this season. Yeah, it's nice. And then he goes away forever. But he's alive. But he's alive. He doesn't die. So that's Yuri. good. Yeah, it's good. Um, so yeah, there's... there. It's clear that, like I, I mentioned earlier, like Isaac has been given a new sense of purpose. He is clearly fighting for good, wants a life back, and is working on it. Which I think that Isaac was a really passive character in season two, and I think he's passive in this season two so far as in comparison to the characters, but I do think he does take a little bit more agency over his own life in this season. He becomes a, an important rebirth. part of the group. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he is reborn from being a very solitary creature into being part of the pack. Yes. Which is lovely. Lastly, do you want to wrap up and talk about Melissa for a second? Because she has one of the most significant rebirths so far as her understanding of the world is, is goes. I love her so much, and we've probably said this on the show before, and I say it a lot when I'm talking about Teen Wolf, is that it gets exponentially better when the parents are aware of yes. what's going on. Yes. Um, and that's one of the things that has always really bothered me about like supernatural teen dramas, is that the parents are just so blissfully unaware. Um, I think it... How much better would Twilight be if Charlie knew? So much better. So much funnier. Yeah. Um, I... And I, and I always think one of the things that I'm like, have been very impressed with in terms of Teen Wolf is that these kids always know when they need to ask their parents for something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're very resistant to the concept and they're like, no, I want to do this on my own. But there are a lot of- Because that's how teenagers are though. Right. But there are a lot of times where they're like, I think we need to ask my dad or I think we need to ask my mom or my mom knows and we just got to get it all out in the open. Mm -hmm. And so Melissa, now that she knows- and because she works in this place where an insane amount of things happen, you wouldn't think so, but the hospital is like a hot spot for um, Teen Wolf action. She has a really active role, um, and particularly because like she knows that werewolves heal really quickly. So she's able to be an ally to Isaac when he's like, my wounds are healing. And she's like, well, if anybody sees this, you're going to be called a witch and locked up. Mm-hmm. So what can they do about that? And she becomes ever more confident. And we kind of saw it in the season two finale when she breaks into the morgue to figure out what's going on with dead Jackson. Yeah. Um, she is so much more powerful than she knows. And she uses her power for good. But she does understands that her role has changed and she's rising to that occasion, which I yes. think is so important. I love Melissa. I love her mom. She's such a good mom. I love the sheriff. 
And we even uh, we, we don't really see a lot of Chris in this in this episode, but like Chris, who we have always talked about being like a good dad, is a good dad. Mm-hmm. And he and he is so. What I find so endearing about Chris is that he's like really insistent that Allison not do anything before she's ready because he understands like how badly it might affect her to jump back into her life and like to deal with like what she's done, but also what she's experienced. And he's like, you don't have to go to school today. You don't even have to go for the week. Like I want to make sure that you are mentally okay before this happens. Yeah. I love when the parents know. I love when the parents God, know. Every other show doesn't have no, has no idea how good their show could be because the parent went, cause the sheriff finds out in this season. When the uh, parents live completely separate lives, it splits the focus of a it's show. It's like Charlie Brown when the parents just sort of wah, 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 mm-hmm. wah, 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 and you're like, that doesn't matter. I hate when I have to watch parent scenes if they're not involved in the, in the A plot. That they was, can have a B plot if they're involved in the A plot. I think that was initially a problem with like Riverdale as well, is that the parents were all like kind oh, of Oh yeah, operating. that was Riverdale's main problem. Um, mm-hmm. It has like a billion, but um, yes, again, Riverdale gets better when the parents are like focal points of the episodes mm-hmm. um or even just like greatly assisting with what's going on um i love that chris insists on taking both allison and lydia home after the bird thing yeah because he's like it, lydia has no parents so far as we know and he just kind of looks at her and he's like i'm your dad now yes similarly to how he looks at scott and is just like i'm your, I'm dad, your dad now, now. yeah <laughs> or although Isaac. every other character in the show looks at scott and is like i'm your dad now and then Scott looked at Isaac and was like, I'm your dad now. <laughs> also, like, of all the people who doesn't really need a dad who's his own dad, Scott. Yeah. Like, it's nice to have that kind of figure, but everybody's like, oh my God, Scott needs a dad. No, no he doesn't. No, Scott gives his, his mom a card for Mother's Day and Father's Day. She's good. That's just, like, so painfully precious. I know. Um, oh I think that kind of wraps up our discussion on rebirth. I think we're just excited to get to the season. This was a lot of, um, like Ex- exposition, exposition. And we're about to talk about a lot in the next episode and we're going to get into the real nitty gritty mm-hmm. of season three coming up. Um, interestingly s- enough, oh, one, sorry. Okay. One other thing that yeah. I no, go ahead. want to bring up. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I'm listening. Just in terms for like the oh, rest of oh, the just season. In terms. <laughs> just in terms of, um, just for like the rest of the season, we don't know at this point, but this is another season with two villains, which, yes. and it's so well executed. It's Both of whom have rebirth origin stories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is, it is, it is the theme for A3A. Can't wait to talk about, 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 about the Teen Wolf Renaissance, which is season three. <laughs> A and B, baby. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. I'm excited to hash that out because yep. it's a much better two villain setup than mm-hmm. the previous season. Um, do you want to do Q's nose? Let's do it. I had no questions. Me neither. I mean, I had kind of like a philosophical question. Oh, okay. Not really, but like a question for the writers, knowing what I know about Brayden going forward. First of all, we don't even know her name at this point. She's just like the girl on the Another unnamed black woman, Teen Wolf's favorite. Exactly. (laughs) Jeff Davis. (laughs) We have questions. Come on. Um, I have always wanted to know why they did not make her a bigger part of the series. Because she kind of starts, like, it, she has a very major role for being someone we've never met in the first episode of the season. Yeah. It makes no sense to And me. she comes back in season five. Mm-hmm. Four? End of season four. Yeah, in a really big way. And I just, I want to know everything about her, and we never learn anything about her. Team Truly writers. nothing. Where did she come from? How does she... Where, where did she go? <laughs> where did she come from? God, I <laughs> Every time. Yep. Every fucking time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we never, we never find out nope, what nope, her nope. backstory is. And, like, there could have been... Even if you didn't want to spell it out, you could have had her, like, run into Chris and be like, oh, you... And then we'd be like, aha, you know each other because you're werewolf hunters. Like, and then we can like infer some stuff. Yeah. But if there's nothing to build a theory on, we won't have theories. And therefore, either lose interest or get frustrated that our interest is being squandered. So. So, that was Teen Wolf writers. Philosophical. Please go back and rewrite question. and refilm some of this. Season five. Season five. <laughs> in particular. Uh, do you have any O's you'd like to share? Some observations? Um, yeah, it really bothered me okay when Allison and Lydia are in the car and they're going to a double date that we never see we never know who they're going on this double date with but Lydia's 
like Allison says to Lydia, you know, I'm not ready to get back out there, which is a thing that a middle-aged woman says to her other friends after a divorce. It is not, not a thing a teenager, teenager would say. Says, no. Um, I, it really, it really bums me out when like, uh, writers can't tap into their previous teenage self. Like, I don't remember. I feel like I did not bring Or can't tap into like thinking about how girls talk for four seconds. Although this, yeah. this, this episode had a female writer, so maybe I'm just talking about my ass. But, but like, I, no, I do think that it's truly like a teenage problem because like when we were watching Defending Jacob, which we have a lot of thoughts about, there's like this one screenshot where a kid is like, Jacob, everybody knows that you did it. And there's like a comma after Jacob, which no 14-year-old would ever write. I, I <laughs> swear to God, I did not know that the comma of address existed when I was 14. Literally. I only started using it in college. <laughs> Like, it's just <laughs> so dumb. And I feel like it's just because they can't tap into the current teenage way of talking. But I would Go never... Go on Twitter. It's easy. When I was 16, I would never have said to any of my friends, I'm not ready to get, get back, back out no, there. No, I'd be like, I don't know. That was pretty soon. Yeah. You guys want to get ice cream? Yeah. Uh, uh, you're right. It really bugged me. Um, Gideon Emery. Gorgeous. Is the hottest. What a man. <laughs> He's so hot. Um... Really, I actually feel like I didn't have a lot of observations just because this is so much um, plot. And I feel like we've covered a lot of it in our discussion. Yeah. Um, was um, there something you noticed? I do love that Brayden um, zaps Isaac with mm. car jumpers. Yeah. Jump cables to yeah. bring him back to life. That is metal. That is metal as fuck. I also think the twins morphing into each other is really gross and me, my twin agrees with me that it's, it's really gross. Repulsive. It's so yucky. Um, and then, oh, tattoos are so expensive. Yeah, I'd be pissed if I were Scott. If I walked out of a tattoo parlor and the tattoo just fell off, I'd be like, uh, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. He probably paid, and that's a kind of a big tattoo, man. He paid like 200 bucks for that ugly thing. Maybe more. And it's literally because Tyler Posey got that tattoo and they needed. The Daniel writers needed to put it in the show. They were like, Tyler, <laughs> damn it, Tyler. Fuck. Like they couldn't just explain it away yeah. like they did with Jackson being in London. They were like, no, he has to go to the tattoo Well, to just parlor. do the makeup every, it, it, to do the makeup every day and like. Yeah, whatever. just like, just let him have the tattoo. Yeah. Just like let him get the tattoo and like have Allison be like, oh. Tattoo. Got a tattoo. It literally like, didn't need to be a plot. Actually, that would have been great if he had gotten a tattoo and, and Allison would be like, he's so different now. He has a tattoo. Like that. <laughs> oh, would have been so much better. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, he says something really like wimpy about being like this is my reward for not texting Allison but then he says something very touching touching where he's like everything is so ephemeral which is his SAT word of the day um I gotta be real with you is there like a vocabulary section on the SAT I don't know because I took the ACT I cannot remember teens um let me know (laughs) I did take the SAT but I do not remember Hmm. at all um yeah just I don't know also they always depict tattoo parlors in shows as like grungy and everyone there's mean have you ever gotten a tattoo as i have uh they are always well lit so your artists can see what the fuck they're doing and everyone is nice and they're so clean because they have to be because there's osha standards like yeah if your tattoo parlor isn't well lit and clean um don't get a tattoo tattoo there (laughs) it's very simple yep um i know we kind of touched on this at the beginning but i thought this episode was really well directed there's um, the elevator fight scene, I particularly love. I particularly love the shot of Scott staring down the hallway and then Ennis turns around mm-hmm. as the doors are closing. Like, it is so beautifully shot. Um, this was the season that they were like, we're going to focus on people's facial angles. And yeah. that's why there's so many good shots of Isaac in this episode. <laughs> it's um, it's pretty. I think everything mm-hmm. in the in the Hale house is prettier too. It's sort of lit way more softly. I would say that this is sort of a, we've moved into the, to, to the yellow period of Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. If the first two seasons are blue, this one's yellow and it's very, um, appealing. We also haven't seen it yet, but we know that Derek is living and, not at the Hale house and living in like a cool ass loft. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is, um, good progress for Derek. Yeah. Not sleeping in a burnout. You're yeah. right. In like a, a Western shanty town. <laughs> yeah. I think that about wraps up Q's and O's. Uh, do you have pack stats for us? Because I don't write them down. I do indeed. Go ahead. Season three is where things really start to pick up because there are like five billion werewolves in Beacon Hills. But we had seven eyes. 
two shirtless moments, five claws. And those are just kind of like individual instances. Like um, Kali, that woman. We're just going to give her one an episode. One per episode. Because her toes are, ew. Oh, God. Um, so nasty. And uh, people, when I when I made my last feet joke, because they grossed me out, like people DM'd me a picture of Kali's <laughs> feet. And I was like, Wolfpack, I thought we were in this together. <laughs> uh, please don't. Um, yeah. Uh, and no ads. I didn't notice any. If you did, please don't tell me. Um, yeah. If you're paying that much more attention... You start a podcast. <laughs> um, if you have invented Facebook, you invented, invented Facebook. Facebook. Um, and as of right now, towards the end, end, end of our episode, no sirens. No, we had a couple during our pre-show, though. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy they got that out of the way first. Yeah. Please have your emergencies before we record. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind. If you just wouldn't mind. Or after. I'm, you know. Either way. Yeah. It's just fine. we need an hour window. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, cool. Do you have an alpha of the week you'd like to share? Mm, I my alpha of the week had two seconds of screen time, but I'm gonna say that it's Chris because he's just an exceptionally good dad. My alpha of the week is Brayden because she actually was the only one who did anything good in this whole episode. <laughs> Brayden was the only person who made things happen. Yes, agreed. Yeah, Shout out I, to it can't even be. It can't be Scott. He didn't do enough. Can't be Styles. He didn't. All he did was be handsome. Yeah, Allison didn't do anything. Lydia didn't do anything. Or you Couldn't know, Melissa too Deaton. for being good at her job. But Brayden yeah. was the one to make actual actual change happen. Brayden brought Isaac back to life. So yeah, essentially. <laughs> so shout Jump, out to Brayden. Jumper cables and an, and a motorcycle, and she saved his ass. So shout out to Brayden. That's so baller. She's so cool. Again, Teen Wolf writers. Tell me more about her. Tell me more about her. Why did you bring her in for like two episodes and then you were like, she's not important except that she's going to maybe sleep with Derek? She does in season five. Yeah. Four? Whenever the fuck that happens, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. You're a swear and you're like, that one was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry for dropping the F-bomb, guys. Oh, oh my. We've never sworn on this podcast before. We're never, never going to do it again. Never in my life have I, yes, yeah, that word. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Are you, I'm, I, I'm excited to keep talking about season three. Um, if you guys haven't listened to our most recent bonus episode, we did, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, talk about what's your number, uh, a rom-com, which we like, and maybe nobody else does. <laughs> um, and we have more bonus episodes on the horizon. People have been throwing around the 2005 Pride and Prejudice on Twitter lately, which we both love, so we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell us to watch that movie. We'll just do it. I own it on DVD. That is how much I love it. It's so good. <laughs> um, other than that, if you guys like this episode or any of our episodes, we hope that you leave us a review on iTunes so we can find more members of the Wolf Pack. Um, if you would like to keep up with the Teen Wolf Rewolf, you can follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. And from there, you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams. We're also on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. Kind of. We're like, kind of. Like yeah. Yeah. We've not been posting a whole lot on social media just because. Because we're not going to interrupt. times. Yeah. We're not going to interrupt our feed um, where people are getting necessary resources for racial justice charities or even COVID information. So forgive us for being less active, uh, but it's a conscious choice. And once we feel comfortable posting again, we'll see more of us on Instagram and yes, Twitter and whatnot. Um, other than that, my name is Christian and I'm Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!